0: Uh, The topic for tonight is exercise and stress. Uh, You mean to tell us that exercise will help stress when stress has to do with the emotions? Certainly.
1: Exercise can do a (coughs) lot of things for you. Exercise not only helps your body, we're all aware of that, (coughs) but exercise can also help your mind. Exercise helps your lungs to move air in and out more efficiently. It makes your heart stronger it actually helps your heart to beat the same amount of blood with less work. I figured out one time that if a person would get in good physical condition, now, this is good physical condition that the average person can get into, not someone who is an athlete. But they can decrease their average heart rate about 10 beats a minute. Now, when you take into account the fact that your heart beats somewhere in the range of 115,000 times a day. My. You can save about 14,000 beats a day. And over things. a year's time, I figured this out one time, you can actually give <laughs> your heart a 12-day rest in the period of a year if, you, if right. you get on an exercise program and stay moderately well-conditioned. Well, you think that the heart would have to work harder if you exercise. Well, it does. But in working harder, it's like, it's like lifting weights or anything else. You get used to it. And as your heart gets used to it, then when it's at rest, it works much more uh, efficiently. It increases the efficiency of the heart. I see. It also helps the the emotional status in that it releases nervous energy. Remember we talked about the illustration of the power dam? Right. I talked about your your (laughs) storehouse of emotional energy. Right. If you stop using stimulants and putting more anxiety in there, you can help yourself. As you do this, if you also open up the floodgates, you can get rid of some of this anxiety. You can do this through exercise. Is that right? Exercise will release nervous energy. It will produce a feeling of well-being, believe it or not. And you may have noticed some of the popular people on television who exercise. They somehow or others seem very enthusiastic, and you wonder if it, you know, what they want you to do is buy their products. This actually happens, that you really do start to feel this way. But it takes variable time periods. Uh, don't expect this kind of thing to happen right away. It will take anywhere from about two weeks to up to a month until you start really feeling good and g- achieving this sense of well-being.
0: But that's a, 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 that is wonderful if a person can start uh, feeling, having this feeling of well-being in a month with this type of program.
1: That's right. It helps you to relax, helps you to unwind. Remember we talked about the other night, if you feel emotionally tired, you're going to feel physically tired. I recommend to people if they have, especially if they have a a desk job or something that requires using your mind all day long, when you get home, do something physical. Go out and ride a bicycle or walk, and you'll find that you'll feel better. Actually, the emotional tiredness will wear off. Studies have shown, in fact, that if you take two groups of people and this is an actual study that was done two groups of men uh, were taken one group were physically well-conditioned the other group they were not they were given a special test that measured emotional stability and they found out that the group that exercised regularly were more emotionally stable than the group who didn't exercise now they took the group who were unconditioned and they put them through a, a a four-month-long program that involved calisthenics, a number of different exercises. And after this four-month period, they retested everybody. And they found out now they could tell no difference between the groups. Is yes, that and This study was reported in the Hospital Tribune in-, in August of 1972. So it's actually been demonstrated that exercise will improve your emotional stabi- stability. It'll make you feel better.
0: Uh, tell us this. Uh, what about a- Somebody who's not been exercising at all scarcely uh, how how fast should he carry on this program uh, Would there be danger to his heart if he started
1: exercising too violently perhaps well we we recommend that anyone who's going to embark on a physical exercise program to check with your doctor and and have a physical examination that might include an electrocardiogram, possibly even a stress treadmill test but it's not very often you can get people to do that. Also, there's another notion that is about today that I really don't believe is necessarily true, and that is, to be healthy, you have to jog. You know, there's quite a jogging craze I'm in glad to hear you say it, is because caught up I don't jog. <laughs> but there are other things that, that people can do. It's important that what you do, you enjoy. A study done at Loma Linda University has actually demonstrated that if you take individuals and make them exercise in an exercise program that they do not enjoy, if it's boring, their blood lipids will actually go up. Blood fats will actually go up rather than the cholesterol coming down with the usual exercise program that you enjoy. It goes up if you're you're bored while you're exercising. So if you feel like, well, I'm going to make myself get out and jog if it kills me, you see. I know what you mean. This actually can work against you. Right. Now, what I I recommend that everyone start on is something that just about everyone can do, and that's walk. This is a program that is recommended by the California Heart Association. And if you have your papers and pencils or pens ready, you're going suggest... to. I'll give you an outline. All right. So what to do? Some things to do. California Heart Association recommends that you begin walking at a comfortable speed. Now, this comfortable speed will have to be decided upon by you. As a guide, it is stated that you should be able to recover from your exercise in about five or 10 minutes. So if it takes longer than five or 10 minutes for you to feel comfortable after you've exercised, you're overdoing, you're walking too fast. We recommend that you start slowly and gradually increase. So specifically, we would recommend that you start walking a mile and plan to walk that mile in about 30 minutes. When you stop and figure that out, that's walking two miles an hour. And that's really not very fast. Gradually increase that, such that you get to the place where you can walk three miles in an hour. And you do this by increments. And I tell people generally as a rule of thumb that we tend to overestimate what we can do. And when they'll ask me, well, how much should I do? Or how far shall I walk? I give people a rule of thumb is estimate what you think you can do, and then only do half of it. Uh-huh. You see, That's a good starting place. Uh-huh. In any event, build up to walking three miles in one hour, then eventually get to the place where you can walk three miles in 45 minutes. And if you can walk three miles in 45 minutes, without feeling unduly tired. And if you can recover after that and feel comfortable within 10 minutes, that's a good exercise program. Uh, and at that point, you're probably ready to start jogging <coughs> if, you, if you want to jog. That would be each day eventually, right? That's right. That's an everyday program that, that you faithfully keep at. Now, if you don't enjoy <coughs> walking, there are other things you can do. You can ride a bicycle. Swimming is good exercise. There are a lot of good exercise Working in around. my garden? Working your garden, I remember the, the story in your book about you working right. in the garden. <laughs> Everyone has something generally they enjoy and it, your exercise program should be something that you enjoy doing. It's good for you that way and besides that, you're more likely to keep at it if you enjoy it.
0: Thank you, I take, uh, I take my summer. My summers I, I save for some camp meetings and all the rest for exercise up in my woods. And I'll tell you, I clear off those lots where they can see those cascading creeks, at 4,000 feet of cascading creek, and I'll tell you, I love it.
1: Good, then it's good exercise for you. But if you hated it, see, then it wouldn't be good exercise for you.
0: Well, Doctor, we certainly thank you very much for being with us again, and we hope you have a good trip back home. And now, uh, Don and Nancy, uh, we have, We have suggested to many individuals through the years, whose faith seems to be a little weak, they're frustrated, and we tell them, we'll claim Bible promises for you. And they'll say, well, I don't seem to have much faith. And then I'll say, Matthew, the 18th chapter, verse 19 says, if two of you agree, it shall be done. So I said, you can lean on our faith when you're frustrated. How about you're singing that song, Lean On Us? Would you be willing to do that, Don and Nancy? you sing it as a solo? Right. A Thank solo. you. That's so fun. All right, then Nancy will sing it while Don smiles.
2: If you cannot trust God in your own strength If you cannot see God in your own faith If you And not touch God in your own life Then brother and sister, lean on us Lean on us as we ask our Savior To send his angels near To wake your heart each morning To thoughts of joy, not fear Lean on us as we thank our Father for what He's giving you. Lean on us, our God will see you through. Lean on us as we thank our Savior for what He's giving you.
0: Not merely came from your lips. That came from your heart, for I believe you composed that. Did you not? Right,
2: for a very special person.
0: You for a very special person. Like whom? He
2: was my uncle.
0: Isn't that wonderful? That is beautiful, and that's what we're teaching everywhere we go. When we are frustrated, when we're confused, when we don't know what to do, when we don't know how to get hold of the arm of God. We can lean on someone else, not permanently, but until we can reestablish our faith in the Lord. Now the doctor has presented a physical exercise program. We're going to present to you another exercise program so that you can do what the topic tonight says, walk away in triumph. Can you imagine a person who is completely frustrated being able to walk away in triumph? Perhaps your frustration may be a a financial frustration. I think I'm particularly uh, sympathetic with individuals who have financial problems because I've had financial problems about, oh, 50 years. And I have learned that there's a way by which you and I can, can find the stress evaporating as we're faced with very outstanding, deep financial problems. And I want to share with you what I have done again and again when I found myself engulfed in financial problems because of a missionary project that we've determined to carry on for the Lord. And I want to tell you, when you start carrying on a missionary project for the Lord, you'll find it stirs up all the venom of hell. All the demons in the bottomless pit are ready to do whatever they can to destroy you. And this has been happening to us. If you don't believe in the devil, you start serving God and you'll meet him. (laughs) You'll meet him. The reason a lot of people don't believe in him, they're going the same way, you see. So they've never met him yet. (laughs) When my wife and I, and many of you have read about it in our book, The ABCs of Bible Prayer, I think there are 94,000 of those books now in print, dealing mostly with our own discovery of prayer and how we've been sharing this discovery of prayer with others. As I would find myself in a real financial bind where, except for the grace of God, I would certainly have to declare bankruptcy, I would claim a Bible promise like uh, Philippians 419. Would you like to write that down? Philippians 419. I I would take this promise. I'd actually open my Bible to it. I have in my hands a little red book full of Bible promises. Don't try to get it now because it's out of print. We've done tens of thousands of them already. But I'm going to share with you some of the promises that we have used when everything seemed to be dark, bleak, when it seemed there was no light, when it seemed there was no light at the end of the tunnel, how we have claimed these promises. Philippians 4:19 is the promise that my wife and I started claiming in our first outstanding deep death Gethsemane experience with finances. And Philippians four nineteen says this, My God shall supply all your need. Would you like to say it with me? My God shall supply all your need. And the rest of it is, According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus together. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And now if you can, we'll try and hobble through the whole verse together. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now that promise is an all-inclusive promise. Whether the need is financial, whether the need is, uh, is uh, uh, physical, whether the need is deliverance from some vice that we hate, whether the need is uh, compatibility in the home, whatever the need may be, my God shall supply how much? All your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When I began to claim this promise in a very outstanding way, my need, as I recognized it, was financial. And uh, again and again, every few months for many, many years, this financial need has loomed up in a very ugly way. Now I have then taken this promise, my God shall supply all your need. Now in order for this promise to be more to me than mere words, it must get down into the depths of my soul. So I have told the Lord why he would supply my need. I did in this little red book, pages 10 to 13, For some of you still have it, I'm sure. Pages 10 to 13, I put down what I call supporting promises. When you claim a specific promise, for whatever the need may be, then to be sure that your faith can reach right up and take it, you'll claim supporting promises. Now, what is a supporting Bible promise? A supporting Bible promise tells us why we can believe this promise of Philippians 4.19. Why can I believe this promise? And these are the texts that I have used. I have actually faced uh, almost nerve exhaustion again and again because of financial pressures. I remember one afternoon, it just seemed like I was almost going to lose my mind. The pressures, financial pressures were coming in from all directions. I lay down on my cot or the sofa and I took this set of promises that I'm going to invite you to write down. You may not write the whole promise, you may just write the reference, do you see? And for 40 minutes, I told the Lord why he was fulfilling this promise to supply my need. And these are the texts of scripture that I used that completely changed my thinking in 40 minutes. And I mean completely changed it from a stressful, agonizing experience to one of peace, perfect peace. The text that I have used for for decades in regard to this is numbers and you may want to write it down numbers 2319 this is an old testament promise and this is what it says you you may prefer not to write what it says just the text it says god is not a man that he should lie numbers 2319 will you like to say it with me god is not a man that he should lie now i said lord You've promised me in Philippians 4:19 to supply my financial need. You are not lying. Now, when I told God this, you know what happened? Expression deepens impression. As we say, as we speak our faith in God's promise, because God cannot lie, it goes into every corpuscle. It flows through the bloodstream. It goes to every organ of the being expression deepens impression through the whole system. And it did it so completely that in 40 minutes, I was a completely different person emotionally. I said, Lord, this is how I know that you're fulfilling Philippians four nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie. And you are the one that sent that message to me. I'm not trusting, Lord, in just so many words. I'm trusting in the one who gave these words. You see the difference? if we're just trusting so many words, it's just a mental exercise. This is not just a mental exercise. It is a spiritual exercise that puts a feeble, frustrated, confused mind into contact with divinity. Lord, I believe that you are supplying my need because, Numbers 23, 19 together, God is not a man that he should lie. So you are not lying when you tell me this. Now you'd be astonished at what happens. I've had a group of young people or older ones who've said to me, brother Kuhn, I just don't seem to have faith. I said, maybe you have more than you realize. I said, do you believe that there's a God? Oh yes. Do you actually believe the Bible? Oh yes. Well, I said, that's faith. Now you tell God, I believe you exist. I believe your Bible. I said, now, since you believe the Bible, you'll believe anything in the Bible. So when he says, I will supply your need, you can say, Lord, I believe you. I believe your word. Therefore, I believe you're supplying my need. And you'll find it'll go all through your bloodstream. It'll completely fill your system. On the other hand, if you start doubting and you say, I don't seem to have any, I don't seem to have any faith. That will go through the whole bloodstream. That will go through the whole being. And I say to people, If you must doubt, I'll give you a little statement to take care of doubt. If you just feel it's so much more comfortable to doubt, then say this, I doubt my doubts. How about that? I doubt my doubts. I doubt my misgivings. I doubt my frustration, but I believe God. God is not a man that he should lie. Numbers 23, 19. Then I've claimed the promise of Matthew 24, 35. Jesus speaking. He said heaven and earth shall pass away. My word shall not pass away. I said, dear Lord, you have said in Philippians 4:19 and many other texts that you'll supply every need I have. And heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never fail. Then I've taken another text. That uh, that you're just writing down the text, aren't you? The reference I've taken 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. I like it very much. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. And it says this all the promises of God, all the promises of God in him are yea. And in him, amen. That is, all the promises of God in Christ are are yea and amen. You know what amen means? That settles it. Amen means that's established. Amen means there's no question about it. Amen, amen means that's certain. Amen means it's unequivocal. All the promises of God in him are yea and amen. Tell God that. Lord, you've said you'll supply my need, and that promise is yea and amen. And don't let the devil start causing us to waver. I was in school, in a boarding school, where a girl sat right across the table from us. And I I never, I don't think as long as memory will continue, will I forget how this girl would always respond when we'd make some statement, some observation. We might say as we were eating dinner, it's a pretty day, isn't it? And she would be liable to say something like this, as she would cloud her features, well, in a way it is and a way it isn't. <laughs> now, it was almost true. I think there was one little cloud up in the sky and she looked at the cloud instead of the blue. Then we would say, isn't this a delicious dinner? And again, her features were cloud, and she'd say, well, in a way it is and a way it isn't. You know, sometimes she'd hit the nail on the head, and that's why she kept in that philosophy because there are always some things about your diet that isn't, you know, and some things that are. And every time, we said, isn't that a wonderful person? Well, in a way he is and a way he isn't, you see. Now, when we come to the immutable, eternal, impeccable promise of God, there's no double talk. God isn't talking out of both sides of his mouth. He's either true or he's not true. Amen? So all the promises of God in him are yea and amen. I lay on my couch and I said, Lord, when you've told me you'll supply my financial needs and they're crowding in from every angle, it's yea and amen. I trust you. You think there's a reward in that? There is a reward emotionally. There is a reward financially. There is a reward physically. I know it. And then... I lay on my couch and I took this one Psalm 89:34 My covenant I will not break that means his promises Psalm 89:34 Psalm 89:34 My covenant I will not break nor alter the thing that's gone out of my lips why that's tremendous do you know it it means God will not change his promise even to the to the dotting of an I or the crossing of a T. <laughs> ah, you know you know how that makes me feel? It makes me feel like a lady where we held our, uh, the next the last series of meetings. At your place, Pastor, this fall, a lady had, was going through all kinds of frustrations that week, and she got a hold of God's immutable, eternal, sweet, precious promises, and she wrote us a two-page letter, Pastor. I don't think I've shared it with you and your wife. And she said, I've gone through all kinds of frustrations this week, But she said, I've come to a conclusion. She said, the devil can go to hell, but I'm on my way to heaven. And I felt like saying, hallelujah. What do you feel like saying? I like that. Not the dot of an I will change of what God has promised. Not the crossing of a T will change. Tell him that. And every time we tell it, expression deepens impression until it circulates through our system. You see? The reason why so many people are sick, you know why it is? Not everybody. They enjoy poor health. It saves them many responsibilities, you see? Because if I'm really sick, people won't expect so much of me. Now, that's not with anybody here. You understand. That's somebody down over in Tennessee, where I came from. But there are people that are afraid to face life's responsibilities. And so they talked out, they singed out, they whined out when we should say, "Lord, you're true. Let God be true and every man a liar." Here's another one I claimed. And this is in Joshua 23:14. Joshua 23:14. And I want to tell you friends, here is here is, in colloquial language, it's a humdinger. <laughs> Joshua 23:14. "If I haven't claimed that, and I claim that as I lay there on the couch and Joshua was talking to the leaders of a nation of several million people the leaders and he said this you know in all your hearts and all your souls that not one thing that the Lord has promised has failed everything has taken place that he said and you know what not one of those leaders said Joshua you're wrong not one could say it leaders of millions of people couldn't say one couldn't call to mind one instance where God has broken His word. I like that. I said, "Lord, that's just like you." Then I took this one. Isaiah 46:11. I have spoken it. I'll also bring it to pass. Isaiah 46:11. for those who are writing, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass." Isaiah 46:11. I sat on my couch. I said, Lord, you told me you'd do this. You are doing it. Romans 10, verse 10 says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I want to tell you, God says, look, you may not feel like it, but you say it until you believe it. Then keep on saying it till you feel it. You notice the sequence? You say it until you believe it. Then you keep on saying it until you feel it. Don't rely on feeling. Feelings are conquered by our definite expressions of faith in the God of the Bible. Lord, you are there when I say it. And the devil says, you don't believe it. Yes, you are there, Lord. I believe you are there. You cannot lie. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Your word will not pass away. And by and by, I'll believe it. And then after I believe it, keep on saying it about one passage after another until I feel it. Now, I've just shared with you now just about one-third of the promises. Let me give you a few more references that you can write down that I claimed. 2 Peter 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9. It says, God is not slack concerning his promise. Aren't you glad God doesn't forget? God is not slack concerning his promise. God is not slack. Lord, you're not slack, I said. You are not slack concerning your promise. It is taking place just the way you said it, not the way I expected. That's very important. And you want to, may want to place right beside that a text that I, I've almost worn out, except the text of God, the promises of God you can't wear out. They're like a muscle. The more you use them, the stronger they are. Isaiah forty two sixteen, Isaiah forty two sixteen says, I will bring the blind by way they knew not. So I said, Lord, you're supplying my need, not the way I expect, but the way you know is best. You are doing it. You are doing it. You are doing it. You promised it. You promised it. You promised it. And tell him why. Another one, Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, verse 89. Before I give you any more, because time is flying very rapidly, At the end, at the end of 40 minutes, all the frustration was gone. All the negative emotions were gone, everyone, completely. And I was scheduled to speak at a community church that night. And up until I had gone through this exercise in the Lord, I felt no more like speaking how could I speak about the power of God when I was frustrated? But now at the end of these 40 minutes, I said, now, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what you've told me to do. In Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse two, it says, thou shalt remember all the way the Lord thy God led thee, which means I'm to be a witness, as Jesus said in Mark 5:19 to the demoniac that he healed. He said, go home and tell the people what the Lord's doing. So I said, Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit and thank you for wisdom to help me tonight as I speak to people of different faiths in this community church, help me to magnify Jesus Christ. He died on Calvary for me. He deserves my praising him, amen. He deserves my witness for him everywhere I go. I have no business going around with my head bowed down like a rush, saying, <laughs> acting like a crab. I say it's bad enough to be a coon without being a crab. What do you say? So I said, Lord, I'm going down tonight and I'm going to share with those people what God has done for us in our missionary project right here in Roan Mountain, Tennessee. As I shared it, I just, I just sensed the power of the Holy Spirit. God is so pleased. The Holy Spirit is pleased when we testify of Jesus as the Holy Spirit does. That is His business and that is our business. We're to tell the world, I found what I wanted when I found the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will bless us. God will reward us. When I got through with that 40 minutes uh, talk or sermon, two elderly ladies walked up to me. They said, I, we're greatly interested in this project that you're telling us about. May we make an appointment? So I met them the next day. And they had been so thrilled about what I was talking about, the miracles of God, <clears throat> that they put in my pocket between ten and $12,000 and I put in their hands a deed to some land. God rewards the person who will, who will believe in God, who will, who will testify to his belief, who will declare his belief. There's a tremendous reward. Hebrews 11:6. 6. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When I tell the world, when you tell people, your next door neighbor, I know God exists. I know he rewards me, not because I'm worthy. I'm totally unworthy. You see, that's very important. I'm totally unworthy, but he does it for Jesus. For Christ never committed a sin, right? His life record was perfect, lily white. So the Father in heaven is doing for Jesus. And since Jesus is the last Adam, I am now a joint heir with Christ. And everything that God has in his great eternity is Christ's, and it is mine in Christ. That's why many times when I pray, I lift up my hands in prayer. Paul said, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. When I lift up my hands in prayer, I'm conforming to, to, to the Psalm, 41st Psalm and the second verse. He said, let the lifting up of my hands be as the evening sacrifice. You know what the evening sacrifice was? It was a lamb. And what did that lamb represent in the Old Testament? The lamb of God. So when I pray and I lift up my hands, claiming God's promises, and I say, oh, Lord, I'm lifting up my hands, I I recognize that between your justice and my guilt, there is the lamb of God. And so you're looking right down this straight line. You choose to. And you don't see my past unworthiness or my present unworthiness, you only see the worthiness of your son. So though our sins be as scarlet, Jesus is pleased to say, Father, give, give my child. He's come to me confessing his sins. He's asked me to forgive. He's accepted me. I've I've stood at the heart's door and knocked, and he's let me in. Father, give him whatever he needs. I'll supply every need. And I say, Lord, it's not because I'm worthy. I mention this, friends, because everywhere we tell about what God has done for us, you know the old devil comes along? You know there's a devil? And I tell little people that when the devil, I said, when Satan sees that Jesus is answering your prayers, you know, these little first and second and third graders, I said, when, Je- when Satan sees that Jesus is answering your prayers and Satan sees that you're falling in love with Jesus, I said, it makes Satan as mad as the devil. And some little girl said, he is a devil. I said, that's why he gets that man. That's why he gets that man. He is a devil. He does not want us to believe in the Lord because as surely as we believe, we'll get an emotional reward. We shall receive a spiritual reward and we shall receive all the need that our Father in heaven sees that we have seen. But he'll do it in the way we don't expect. Almost every time in my life, he's done it in a way I never expected. Isaiah 42, 16. Never did I dream that when I went to that community church and merely gave my testimony of the grace of God in his love, I never dreamed that two people would be sitting there who would be used of God to put in my hands for my missionary project between ten and $12,000. I say, God is wonderful. What do you say? And you know, that's why many times we sing a little chorus that goes something like, everything's all right in my father's house. And I think right now we ought to, where is that piano? Uh, uh, is my pet coon here? Would you step over, honey, over to that piano and play, Everything's All Right? I am sure she is. My pet coon, where is she? Is, will somebody just usher her over? To, that's, thank you. Over to the piano, and we're gonna sing a little chorus that says, Everything's All Right in my father's house. How many have ever heard that? Now, see your hands? All right. So. So we'll sing it together. Everything's all right. And maybe just for a moment, maybe if you'd feel a little better, if you stood, it's all right for you to stand and get a little oxygen, except the people right here, they can't stand, you see. Uh, Can you or could you stand? All right, we'll sing everything's all right in my father's house. You're going to sing too, aren't you?
3: Everything's alright in my Father's house. In my Father's house. In my Father's house. Everything's alright in my Father's house. There is joy, joy, joy. Jesus is the way to my Father's house. To my Father's house. To my Father's house. Jesus is the way, there is joy, 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 come and go with me, to my Father's house, to my Father's house, to my Father's house, house. come and go with me, to my Father's house,
0: there is joy, joy, joy. Now, the last stanza, we sing a little differently. When we get to those joys, we hold. And we go up on those joys. We hold those joys because Jesus said, Ask, and you'll receive, and your joy will be full. We don't want to stop half full. And because we're going up when he comes again, we go up. So you'll follow me. We'll go with you. We're out on a farm upstairs. Mother sweeping my bedroom. She was telling me again the story of Jesus all the way from his birth to his death on calvary she used the simplest language the type of language that only a little child could understand when i followed him through those cruel trials in that famous march to calvary saw him strung up between earth and heaven my heart was broken i said mother what shall i do and she gave me a promise first john 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, if we believe that promise, the frustration of guilt never needs to attack us again. And then you'll use these references. Lord, it's impossible for you to lie. So you have forgiven. And I believed I was forgiven for I knelt down and I claimed his promise as a little boy and I rose from my knees happy to know that every sin I'd committed was forgiven. Perhaps it was two or three years later, at the midnight hour, I had a dream. I dreamed that my brother Lester, who was only two years older than I, and we looked about the same age. I dreamed that he was out in an ocean, drowning right near the shore, and I was standing on the shore. I dreamed as I was thinking how I could save him, and I saw him looking pleadingly to me I thought I must rush in and save him. And then I saw the the waves were way high. There was no way in the world by which I could save him. And while I was just thinking I must save him, but I didn't know how to do it, I awakened, perspiration all over my body, trembling. And I heard a thought voice from the Lord saying, My son, you have spiritual brothers and sisters all over the world who are perishing in the waves of sin. I'm commissioning you to go out and bring to them the hope, the light, the peace, so they won't have to sink in the waves of sin. I said, Lord, I can't do anything right. And the thought voice came very clear to me. I'll show you how. I said, Lord, I give every moment of my life to you to share your love with people everywhere I go. I'd walk down the streets, I'd walk down the roads in the country, wondering if people on the right, in the house, on the right side of the road were ready to meet Jesus on the left, that, that is the motive that is undergirding brother and sister Troyer, Don and Nancy, David and Steve who are doing this work, sister Clary, Bill and Rob and Hannah, and others who are with us. The reason that we're here is that we are praying and hoping and believing that men and women who are frustrated may by claiming God's immutable promises find complete freedom from guilt and from the power of sin and move on toward the kingdom of God, marching through the gates eventually to the city of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb.
2: This media was brought to you by AudioVerse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about AudioVerse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons,